The Breaking Bread podcast is about using food as a vehicle for generating community, conversation, and compassion. Food holds memory and history. When we share a meal with someone, they open up, we open up. We understand them, and they understand us. Food is a reflection of our culture. It conveys who we are and where we come from. Today, I'm going to the source of the fight against hunger in the Washington, D.C. area, the Capital Area Food Bank. The food bank serves over half a million people every year in the greater D.C. area, with 36 million meals. We're talking about the social justice issue of food equity and the role of the food bank as a main collaborator and supplier for 444 other food-based nonprofits in the D.C. area that are working together to end hunger for our neighbors. I'm Krista Avampato. This is the Breaking Bread Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me at the table. Let's listen in. I am so pleased today to be at the Capital Area Food Bank. I'm here with Kristen Bourne, who's the Director of Marketing here at this amazing facility. Kristen, could you just give us a little bit of an intro about who you are and how you got here and how you feel about this place? Absolutely. I am so fortunate that the Capital Area Food Bank is the first place that I worked full-time in D.C. I have spent my life prior to this in the New York City area and out in the San Francisco Bay Area. And when I moved to D.C., I actually didn't really understand what a food bank was. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are confused about the role of a food bank in a community versus food pantries Mm -hmm. and soup kitchens and other food access um, organizations that serve a given community. So I was so lucky to find this opportunity to work with the largest hunger and nutrition nonprofit serving the Washington area and to get my feet wet here and you really do learn a region by working at its food bank. You know, I spend time now out in Upper Marlboro, Maryland and Springfield, Virginia and all parts of Northeast, Southeast, Southwest and Northwest DC and it's just been a wonderful education to our nation's capital residents and social challenges and the vibrancy of the food culture here. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about um, what you said in the beginning of that statement of what are some of the big myths about what a food bank does, Mm -hmm. who it serves, and sort of its Mm -hmm. role in the larger picture about food security um, and food instability and food equity. And I have to say that you are actually the reason that we have the theme for this podcast episode, which is about collaboration among food organizations that are trying to end hunger. And so, so many of your resources were really helpful. Um, So thanks so much for for having us here. And I'm excited to learn some more about that. And I think there are kind of, first of all, misconceptions out there among people who follow nonprofits and really care about, you know, big society issues like food insecurity that there isn't collaboration so you know I'll start there that the role of a food bank is to be a hub for the networks of nonprofits that provide food to the community Mm -hmm. so one misconception is that a food bank has clients that come and receive food at its facility and that's something that when you visit it and when anyone visit I say just so you know you're not going to see families and seniors and children and working adults picking up food here today. What you will see is leaders of nonprofits that range from a small church pantry all the way to huge beloved organizations with hundreds of staff. For us, it's Bread for the City or Miriam's Kitchen or Martha's Table or Mana or Serve or Thrive picking up food for their pantries, which they will then distribute in the neighborhoods where they are located. Mm -hmm. So that is the role of a food bank. We are this hub. We're able 
able to receive and aggregate donations of food and food that we purchase to make available to the region widely and allow for these nonprofits to allocate their budgets to the other services that are so important for the community they serve, whether it's medical care, social services, or social work, dental, education, and all of the other wonderful services they provide. I appreciate your question in terms of myths around this field and who we serve because when I tell my friends that I work at a food bank, the next word out of their mouth is homeless. There is a lack of understanding of exactly who needs this type of help. Mm -hmm. So it's not predominantly people who don't work and don't have a home. 5% of the people that we serve consider themselves homeless. It's a working mother who is working three jobs. It's a senior who has worked his whole life. He recently retired and is now on a fixed income and is making ends meet. And when one medical issue presents itself, he's confronted with the decision of does he pay those medical bills or pay for fresh food in his kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so our senior grocery delivery program is everything for his ability to cook at home and having peanuts for dinner, which is what one of the seniors I met about a year ago told me was his situation. That's what he could afford, and so that's what he was eating for dinner. Yeah, that's what he could afford, and then there are the other the other reasons that that's what ends up being at his house. It's that he doesn't have a way to get to a grocery store. It's that there isn't a grocery store where he lives. One of the big challenges and opportunities for the food bank right now is the role that we can play in retail access across this region because everyone is aware of the reality that there isn't an equal distribution of grocery stores across the region. And we're definitely seeing pockets, you know, whether it's in the Virginia suburbs or, you know, we're seeing a lot of this challenge in Prince George's County where Mm -hmm. entire neighborhoods are not served by any grocery. We're trying to figure out the role we can play in making produce available through new pilots like our produce hubs finding new nonprofit food assistance partners in those specific neighborhoods to be a regular place where neighbors there can access fresh fruits and vegetables and meat and dairy. You're using data in new, innovative, fascinating ways to get at these root causes of hunger and those outcomes and using that data to improve your services, to improve your partnerships, um, even grow your partnerships. Could you talk a little bit about some of those? The hunger heat map I think Mm -hmm. is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then you also have, is it a services network? The food bank network. Yeah, Yeah. could you talk about those two um, tools? Thank you for bringing them up. And they're both tools that were introduced over the past three years under Nancy's leadership, our current CEO, Nancy Roman. The hunger heat map, which the Washington Post last year called the technology that will revolutionize the war on hunger, is a series of layers have been compiled by our internal data team that allow us to view food insecurity across our region, layer on top of that our food distribution, and reveal through those layers the unmet need or the gap as you so eloquently called it, Krista. What it allows us to do is be as strategic as possible in targeting our resources. It's our moral imperative as the region's hub of food access that we are looking regionally all the way across the Virginia suburbs and Maryland suburbs and the district to see where the need is greatest 
and make sure that we're not concentrating our food and our time and other resources in one place at the detriment of another area that needs it. So the hunger heat map has been revelatory and has led us to implement a couple programs that are newer because of what it's revealed. For example, last summer, because of a pocket of intense need or a hot spot as we call it, that was revealed in a far reach of Prince William County, we were able to visit that area, realize that there are certain neighborhoods that are mostly comprised of mobile homes where the children in the summer were cut off by a highway from brick and mortar summer meal sites. And we were able to partner with Shoppers Food and Pharmacy to launch a bus to deliver meals right to where those children were in their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And we actually repeated that this summer and that hotspot has been diminished that way. Mm -hmm. Similarly, we're seeing a lot of hot spots in Prince George's County currently, and so we're launching um, innovative programs there that range from a produce hub to bring the fresh produce that we offer free of charge all the time closer to the partners there just to, to remove any barrier we can to those nonprofit partners taking as much of the fresh fruits and vegetables as they can and having it available regularly to the clients they serve. Mm -hmm. So the heat map has been invaluable for our strategic planning. Just of to food. know where to go, yeah. right? Like where are hungry people? How do we get to them? And what do we provide to them? Like what is the best solution right. for that exactly. area? Mm -hmm. And then the food bank network is a tool that I really feel has yet to be fully discovered by this community. Mm -hmm. um, when people encounter it, they can't believe that this thing exists. A lot of people don't realize that there's one place you can go and search for any type of social service you want in the zip code that you're in. And that's what the Food Bank Network is. What this platform allows for is basically anyone to be a social worker. So what we're seeing is that hospitals are using the Food Bank Network to refer patients to care closer to them. We're seeing libraries mm -hmm. having you know our information accessible for the food bank network because so many of the clients they serve are people who need to take advantage of these services as well. Even teachers are telling us that they need to know that they can refer parents to it who might not be finding the right mix of services in their neighborhoods. We are trying to spread the word about it. It's available right when you go to the capitalareafoodbank.org website and go to get help. In the Washington metro area, which includes the district, the two counties around it in Maryland, Montgomery and Prince George's, and then Fairfax and Prince William counties in Virginia and Arlington and Alexandria. There are 700,000 neighbors who are food insecure, which means that they would answer the question, do you know where your next meal is coming from, with a no at certain points in the year. And just for context, the entire population of Washington, D.C. is less than 700,000. So we have more people in the area that are food insecure than the entire population of the district. It's hard when we talk about these huge numbers to have good reference points, and mm -hmm. that's, I appreciate that one, mm -hmm. so thanks. Mm -hmm. So of that 700,000, last year the food bank was able to reach 540,000 with food through our network of partners and our direct food distribution programs. Mm -hmm. And that's 12% of the population of the region. So we are providing food to 12% of our neighbors, which is staggering. I don't know that any one grocery group or any one 
restaurant, that's for sure, reaches that many people. And that's why when we talk about improving the quality of food we provide, whether it's our recent announcement that we're working with our retail donors to sort out the holiday candy and full calorie soda and sweet baked goods before they send their donation our way. If we can improve our food inventory a little bit, we are really moving the needle on the health of a huge segment of our population and a segment that's vulnerable to health complications. Mm -hmm. Of the households that we serve, 48% of them report that there's a member of that household that has heart disease. And 22% of them has a family member with diabetes or, or, or pre-diabetes. And that's not even necessarily being treated. Right. Right? They may not have medication for it. They may not have access to health care to be able to really take care of their diabetes or manage their diabetes or manage their heart concern. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And one exciting development is that doctors are beginning to see food as a key part of prevention. Mm-hmm. Food as medicine. And medicine. Right? So there was actually, for the first time last year, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended that every pediatrician screen for food insecurity, meaning ask one or two questions of a family just Mm -hmm. to get a sense of is access to food potentially driving what they're seeing in their young patient, whether Mm -hmm. the young patient is obese, whether there's, you know, signs of diabetes emerging. The medical community is turning on to the fact that food is such a pivotal piece of the health puzzle. That's who we serve. And then one last thing that I think is important to, to reference, what are we providing? First of all, a full third of what we provide is fresh produce. So that's just right there, you know, a, a significant portion of the 44 million pounds of food that we provide every year. And secondly, we do care what you donate. You know, we, we have a short list of foods aside from the produce that we are committed to always having available to partners when they come to get food from us. And those include peanut butter, oatmeal, beans, tuna, rice, foods that are high in protein, low in sugar, low in salt, high in fiber. And we have relationships with a lot of local growers in this area where we're buying a lot of the produce that we distribute. So Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a great program by which we commit to the harvest of a farmer before their growing season Mm -hmm. so that they can plan accordingly and know that they'll be sending this many pallets of apples to the food bank, this many pallets of kale from Bartonfelder Farms, and th- that way they can plan their growing around it, and, and mm-hmm. we do need funds up front for that. We were also talking about you have spurred this interest in gardening, and so you're helping other organizations set up their gardens, whether those are rooftop gardens or school gardens, to help people realize that they can grow their own food no matter where they live, um, the options they have. And that could be a teaching garden like yours is, right? Or it could be a garden where there are plenty of schools, right, that have rooftop gardens or they've turned a vacant lot into a garden and then that produce goes into their school lunch. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, just as we are a hub for food provision across the area, we consider ourselves a hub for garden education. Mm-hmm. So for the past couple of growing seasons, we have spawned five different gardens across the region. And we also bring the partners, the, the leaders of the partner nonprofits to our own urban demonstration garden to teach them about reseeding and and harvesting and then putting up the tomatoes after they pick them from the vines. So that's definitely a great source of inspiration. And most importantly, It's just building demand for produce. It just is bringing a love for fruits and vegetables into the conversation with all these organizations and hopefully driving demand for the fresh 
produce that we are bringing in from farmers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, I just think I'm in awe really of what you do here. And I feel like our city and our community is so lucky to have an organization like yours here, you know, helping our neighbors and who are, who are in need. I We're mean, really it's fortunate. crazy. The food bank has been here for 36 years and, Unfortunately, as we were discussing, the, the problem isn't getting smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, there are these trends of baby boomers aging and therefore the senior hunger becoming a bigger problem. And there is this, you know, movement of, of suburbanization of hunger because of the rent increases and just general um, gentrification we're seeing in the urban center. The need for us is not going away. But what I think is really exciting is the role we play. And further becoming the source for health in this region mm-hmm. that that we are being seen as the guide of healthy cooking and of where you can go to get healthy produce and just the fact that health is a human right that should be available to every resident mm-hmm. and is not reserved for the lucky few that have a more secure source of funds. People who work here are so hardworking. Our truck drivers, our inventory team who have worked in Costco's warehouses in the past because as you saw, this is a serious operation. And I really encourage any of your listeners to come on a tour here. We offer monthly tours to anyone who's interested. And people's eyes bulge out of their heads because they did not realize that they were coming to this massive facility that is the backbone of food service in this region. We have all of these amazing services. The problem is growing and it's compounding and we're seeing health concerns and transportation concerns and city infrastructure, housing concerns. Mm-hmm. If we are going to band together and end hunger, mm-hmm. what are some things that aren't being done? Some key things about just society in general are going to need to change if hunger is going to go away. You know, income inequality is is a key one. Mm -hmm. Making sure that job training is a focus and um, making sure that access to jobs is universal. Those are things that the food bank doesn't work on specifically, but that by bolstering the other organization's abilities to use food as a hook and bring people in, mm-hmm. those uh, those organizations are able to do really well. And otherwise, I think it goes back to the conversation we were having as we were walking around. Some key elements of our national food system need to change. The way that subsidies are allocated for what type of crops. In order for this problem to go away, people need to have access to the healthy stuff. Fruits and vegetables should not be more expensive than packaged crackers and and sheet cakes and it's too cheap for manufacturers to produce all of that stuff and pump it through the food system and make that all that's available in a lot of neighborhoods the food bank is is really focused on providing the most nutritious food we can advocating for the types of policies that are going to prioritize the right price for healthy food And breaking down misconceptions about who needs this help so it's not an us versus them type thing Mm -hmm. because we really want everyone to realize that it could be you one day. And I can't tell you how many of the people that I work with that that now lead the food assistance partner nonprofits that are such an important part of their community that were on the other side waiting in line needing you know that weren't going to have a thanksgiving turkey and received one once and now they're the ones making them available to their neighbors you never know what's going to happen to your health your family's health your job 
making everyone feel that this is a real effort that that we all need to play a role in is something that's really important to me and to everybody who works here at the Capillary Food Bank. Let's talk about events that you might have coming up that people can participate in. Every fall we host these wonderful, casual, delicious soup lunches called Empty Bowls. And we have them in different neighborhoods across the region to, to make it easy for anyone to take a lunch break and come meet the food bank staff. Make a difference by having lunch with us because every ticket sold for Empty Bowls provides 87 meals um, to someone who needs it. Or likely to a lot of people who so need it. So one lunch helps 87 people eat. Yep, yep. For wow. one $35 ticket, that's what you, that's the impact you're making. That's amazing. Yep, and you not only get unlimited soup and bread and dessert and drinks, but you also get to choose a handmade ceramic bowl donated by a local artist and take that home and kind of always think about the role you've played that day. So those are called empty bowls. We have all of them, um, information about them on our website. And we have three more coming in late October and November, starting with a Prince George's lunch on October 27th, a lunch in Bethesda on October 31st, and a lunch in Tyson's Corner on November 4th. So would love to have anyone come out for those. And then I'll just plug our biggest and most glamorous, delicious event of the year, which is our Blue Jeans Ball in April. Mm -hmm. And that is our big fundraising gala where we set a huge goal of raising $500,000 for this work, um, which is the equivalent of 1.25 million meals. We've never had a goal that big. It's gonna be a big effort. And so we're, we're already selling tickets at capitalareafoodbank.org for that. Great, and where will that Blue Jeans Ball that be? That is at the Marriott Marquis in downtown DC. So mm -hmm. a snazzy ballroom with um, endless cocktails and, and tastes from local chefs and a really fun auction, live music. It's, it's a really great time. And people come in their jeans. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you don't even have to wear a black tie gown. It's the best of every possible world. Great. And yeah. where can people find out more about the food bank, find out more about your events coming up, how to volunteer, how to donate? Uh, what's the best way for them to get information? Just logging right on to capitalareafoodbank.org. All of the events are listed on our events section, and you can sign up to volunteer there. You can easily click to make a donation around you know, any time of year, but especially I know that's on people's minds at the holiday time. Mm -hmm. So we try to make it easy to find what you're looking for there. Great. Thanks again so much for having us. This was so eye-opening and informative. And again, I'm just so grateful um, that what you're able to offer to our community. The pleasure was all mine. My thanks again to Kirsten Bourne and everyone at the Capital Area Food Bank for everything they do to promote the health and well-being of our neighbors in the Washington, D.C. area. We are a better city for having them as part of our community. To learn more about the Capital Area Food Bank and how you can get involved in the fight against hunger, visit their website at capitalareafoodbank.org. Next week, I'm going to Food and Friends, a charity that is near and dear to my heart and where I volunteer. Food and Friends is a food-based nonprofit that collaborates with the Capital Area Food Bank to deliver healthy, prepared meals to our neighbors who are undergoing treatment for HIV and cancer and to those who are in hospice. I'm Krista Avampato. This is the Breaking Bread Podcast. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. I'll see you next time at the table.